Welcome to Supplier Experience Live from Hicks, where we explore all the latest topics, trends, and discussion points in the world of procurement, procurement technology, and supplier experience management. My name is Duncan Clark, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're dialing into Hyderabad to speak to Karthik Rama. Having worked on procurement transformations for almost two decades, Karthik really is the procurement doctor with deep expertise in helping organisations from varied industries from all over the world. Karthik has worn multiple hats over the years, right from being the procurement guy through to the IT guy deploying the procurement system, which gives him the benefit of speaking both the language of technology to the IT teams and procurement to the procurement teams. So welcome, Karthik, and thank you for taking part in this discussion today. Hey, Duncan, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure being here. So um, could you tell us, first of all, a little bit more about your background and the sorts of projects that uh, you've been working on over the years? Sure, I'd be glad to give that uh, response. So like you said, oh, close to two decades of work, uh, I put in here. So almost half of that time, I was a procurement practitioner, played roles such as a buyer, category lead. Uh, I've been involved in procurement transformation projects wherein I've pull the work from United States to India, the tactical work, so to say, have helped organizations uh, set up a service center ground up pro with India as an offsite. I've uh, done policy and procedure restructuring globally for one of the biggest companies in the world. And uh, slowly that kind of switched me into the consulting space where I started helping them with the procurement consult technology consulting, so to say and the business process consulting. And from there on, I've deployed multiple different ERPs or the software as a services that are particular to procurement technology. And uh, that's what I've been doing for the last close to last two decades. And uh, usually people are a little confused, right? Uh, what the heck does procurement doctor mean? Right? I, I think you covered it to some extent out there, but I'd like to throw some light around that, Duncan, if it's all right with you. Sure, uh, go ahead. So what the heck is procurement doctor? So I'm usually called in when a procurement team uh, is in a bad state of health or are wanting to get fitter as an organization. So I basically come in, do a diagnosis of your current process by asking relevant questions, review the previous reports, records, kind of your diet plan, right? Which is also in the procurement language, the policy procedure, or your uh, for, uh, process flows, existing uh, diabetic or blood pressure issues that you might have, which would again tie back to you having a previous uh, year's audit gap report or your internal assessment where you've been dinged or you're not able to reach your uh, targets that you set forth as an organization. So that's what I do as a procurement doctor. And I'm also called upon a lot of second opinions as well uh, on work that my peers have conducted and companies just want me to come in, examine, provide my feedback uh, to them to understand if the transformation project is set in the right course. So that's that's why I'm called the procurement doctor. Brilliant. And you mentioned a couple of times the word transformation there. So business transformation, digital transformation, there's terms such as automation. All of these terms can, of course, sound to some like buzzwords but they are super important. So 
Um, I was just wondering, could you elaborate a little bit on what you mean by transformation and some of the variants thereof? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, let me start by saying, if you, if if, uh, if there are people who think these as buzzwordy, I'll I'll confuse you by putting out a few more words out there. Uh, let, let's say the word, let's let's say machine learning, blockchain, AI, robotics. So that, that must have confused the hell out of you. <laughs> now, now let me go back into the question at hand. So you want me to, uh, you, you want to know what these terms mean to be the business uh, transformation, digital transformation or automation, right? right? Duncan? That's you right. Three yes. Okay. So for me, uh, a business transformation or a digital transformation or an automation, uh, for me, ideally for me, if, if I am an organization and I'm trying to try to make sense of these words, uh, for me, it's, it starts off with discovery, where you're discovering what your problems are at hand as uh, from an organization's level, what is it that you want to bring as value props as a part of the uh, transformation, or what is it that you want to achieve? So you at least need to have that clearly defined, or you the discovery also allows you to understand where you're at as on day, what what things you're good at, what things you're not so good at, and that could ideally transition into a business case uh, preparation, right? You want to have a nice solid business cases because you want to buy in from the, all the stakeholders as well as your senior management, and that would convert into an RFP. The RFP will help you identify the requisite tools or processes that need to be adopted or adjusted or created from ground up, right? And then there's the implementation phase, and then you need to track after implementing whatever tool or processes that you've done to see that people are, are using it or they're having troubles or what so whatnot. So that's where the change management applies all across, just like project management, change management applies across all these areas. At the end of it, for me, uh, business transformation or digital transformation, it's all about people, process, data, and technology. So these are the four things that it, it, uh, it entails the entire story, so to say. And you mentioned technology there, and I just wondered, could you tell us a bit more around what for you makes technology important to the business transformation that takes place? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a nice question, Duncan. So well, let me start by asking a few questions, okay, and then we'll get to the importance of it. Well, uh, so are we okay scanning paper contracts or invoices or POs to a file cabinet? or a share drive and have literally zero to no visibility or reporting as to what's happening, right? With a highly prone, error prone process. And uh, you also see, are, are we okay with a lot of latency in every transaction, being okay with not knowing where a, a particular transa transaction is or the supplier status or a contract that's up for negotiation. So you don't know where, it, where you're at or, lot of swivel seating right between even if you have systems they're not talking to each other so a lot of swivel seating from one system to the other or one folder to the other or one email to the other to get a status of a particular transaction in the process and when I, i'm making it broad as a process this could apply to any of the areas of procurement sourcing contracts uh, supplier management it could apply anywhere so all these pieces uh, pieces sit in a lot of swivel seating happens and with those three questions, uh, I, therefore, I feel technology is important to business process uh, to eliminate a lot of these uh, uh, 
non-value add steps as well as bringing in more visibility, uh, more of uh, risk mitigation for your process areas. But my only recommendation out there uh, is you need to fix your business process gaps before implementing the technology or do them in parallel at, at the least. Don't go and implement the technology and then look at the business process. So that's my uh, take on that, Duncan. And um, you talk about, for example, issues such as systems not talking to each other. But of course, business transformation or a transformation project is much wider than that. And of course, as you spoke about a moment ago, it needs to be pitched to the business as well. And I was just wondering, do you have any advice for people about the best way that you pitch this kind of project to get the buy-in? Well, it depends who you're pitching it to, uh, to some extent, Duncan. Um, and I'll get to two angles of it. The two most people that we pitch to is... Uh, the CPO or the chief procurement officer, the CFO or the chief finance officer. In certain scenarios, the CTO as well, if it's procure, if it's uh, heavy handed by procurement. So these are the three characteristics. And uh, I'll, I'll apply a few tools that we need to look at uh, to ensure that the pitch is successful, right? You don't want to pitch something which you, you're not setting it up for failure. You want to succeed at it. So. It is important that you speak the language of business to business, which would mean whoever it is, you need to speak their language so that they understand where you're coming from. Um, if it's, I would highly recommend that you have a IT category manager who looped in on the transformation project right in the beginning, right? If you have a lot of heavy handedness on the finance side, or if you're doing a deployment on the contract, so the contract legal team should be in if it's a lot of uh, change in the finance database, so the finance team should be pulled in. Uh, you have to consider those things. You cannot go as a one-man army Rambo of procurement and you do it all by yourself, right? Uh, and then uh, the business case should be simple. It should be easy to understand for a layman who doesn't understand the big jargons of uh, all procurement of technology, so to say. So it should understand, should be easy to contemplate. Um, and... Uh, most of the business cases are would potentially move into these three categories, uh, which is cost savings, cost avoidance, risk mitigation, right? So these are the three languages that almost all of these characters would understand. But I would prefer to show a picture, an end picture to the finance guy in a balance sheet, right? How would it affect the balance sheet, which would tie back to the business case, which would be more appealing or more convincing for, for him to draw the paint the right picture. Uh, similarly for the IT guy, the procurement guy for sure, you can show the cost savings, cost avoidance or risk mitigation. Uh, and uh, we need to ensure that you have a outcome. The uh, the painting of the picture, what I'm talking about Duncan here is you need to clearly show them how the future would look like, or at least you should know for, 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 the, for the minimalistic thing, or at least you should know what the outcome should be like, else there's no point getting into the project. So, that's how I look at it to, in terms of how a pitch should be for to the business, so to say. And within the four pillars that you mentioned, data actually forms one of those pillars. So I wanted to find out a little bit more from you about what you see as the role of data here, um, how it involves IT. And of course, this is a big question, I realise this, but what shortcomings have you seen in enterprise data or some of the approaches to data that you've seen in large organizations? 
Absolutely. Data is uh, the key success factor for a procurement transformation. That's what I've seen over and over again over the last uh, so many years. Uh, unfortunately, my experience, personal experience has been a lot of the organizations have given uh, a blind side to the data, data of their organization. Uh, they're in this uh, illusion that uh, their data is world class, when in actuality they've never even looked at the data for a long time. Um, those are some things that I've noticed as, as an experience over the years. Um, when it comes to shortcomings, I see um, a huge project delay because of not taking into consideration the data quality, heavy handedness on the integration effort. For instance, you want two systems to talk to each other. The ERP is heavily uh, customized that is in turn pouring into the other system that you are uh, dealing with. Or it would basically increase the development effort or the implementation timeline for you as an organization. So that's what I've seen as the issues uh, I've seen. Uh, for instance, I, I'll call it an example. There was this uh, customer of, of mine who I was trying to deploy a particular tool set. They had around uh, 16,000 contracts, right? And the 16,000 contracts were in 25 different countries. And the 25 different countries had 25 different ways of managing the contract. So a few of them had them in hard copy, a few of them had them in different shared drives, a few of them had them on, on their email. So that's where the, the data quality comes into effect, right? And they didn't even consider that piece even before uh, signing off the business case. Now, this would set you back a good three, four months to go back and establish that all those rules and uh, segregation of the data, so to say. And uh, if, if, you, if you see, it's key that you identify the data quality issues well ahead of time so that you allocate enough resources as well as uh, the right uh, time to massage the data or prep it for your transformation. Also have a repeatable process for the master data management, whatever new fields that you're adding, the drop down list, or are they up to date or so, uh, all those aspects and there's some inter some uh, aspects that also look into the integration of when two systems are talking to each other as well. So you need to apply those kind of concepts as well. And what research should be done in order to understand the procurement technology landscape and understand what's available out there? Absolutely. So there are a lot of options out there, right? Uh, I would I would start off with a diagnostic study like a, a diagnostic study of your current processes and your technology lands, landscape, if you have any, right? It's important to know where you stand and then go out scouting for the right uh, uh, technology, right? Uh, I see you need to understand where you lack at as an organization, whether, again, the same four pillars, the people, process, data, and technology. So that's something that you need to clearly iron out. I'm sure you could utilize a lot of the standard reports that are available by uh, Gartner or procurement leaders or spend matters. This kind of gives you the preliminary information, but um, I, I that that would help you with the initial uh, potential vendor list. But I would suggest not just to stick to this reports. Do your own assessment. Explore a little bit on your own. Have a few vendors uh, talk to them. Not not just uh, big as big guys. I've seen all the comp companies where they have a uh, a big. Uh, ERP and they don't want to change the front end system because you have an ERP of a particular kind and the front end also ties back to the same ERP even though you're not sure whether 
the source the software as a service tool really applies to you 100% or not so uh, that brings me to the ne the next part is where we shouldn't shy away from mixing and matching different technologies depending on the requirement of your business process so that should not limit you because uh, this is the era of pure procure tools tech technology tools yeah wherein there there are few tools which are absolutely great for a particular category with that is within your organization for if you doing a large spend or a few tools which are specific to a particular region but um, so you should not shy away from applying those tool sets as well and uh, if you see that one size fits all you have a very large enterprise then maybe you can go with the one size fits all the big guy as well but uh, there's no harm in trying out the small tools as well and it's interesting you raised the point around matching technology to the requirements of the business process and i wondered more widely how can the rollout of technology be linked to business goals what's the approach that people should take for that so this uh, i've seen the top down is a must out here duncan top down meaning your leadership should be aligned uh, not just leadership uh, i would look at your organizational goals what that should flow down into your project into your project or it should at a project level as well as to your procurement team or whichever end user is working on this project at the same time i would also like to align the bottom up goals as well it's because those are the people who are going to use the tool if not anyone right mostly it's just the leader would just approve it or deny it but uh, the day in day out transactions are done by the end user so it's it's key to consider their inputs as well just to ensure that the system and the process is been followed um and uh, the the business goals so like i said right at the beginning right we spoke about uh, what an ideal business case would be and uh, we spoke about uh, cost savings cost avoidance or risk mitigation so here's where you will track or uh, don't go crazy in tracking more than required but just the absolute necessities that you need to uh, follow up with is the number of hours that you saved uh, by fte to swivel seat move from one system to the other on any other non value add tasks things that you were not involved in before now you are involved well ahead of time so that improves the time timing of the tool uh, if you are cutting out in any particular current landscape like if you had another technology which you given up on so that is another saving that you have um, and any of the risk mitigations you can also look at all your audit gaps that you had how how much you were dinged last year and how much where you are at this year because of the technology so those are the things that you would link it uh, as as a part of the business school so to say and i guess it would be great to know what you've seen from your experience as being the crucial ingredients for a successful project implementation so some people call this being organization ready but but what for you have you seen as being those key ingredients for me uh, the big one would be uh, change management for sure uh, under change management um, i would focus on change defaulters right because these are the guys who uh, mess up with the company culture so to say we need to identify the guys who are not in it to win it and uh, ensure you bring them on board uh, because just one bad apple can spoil the entire basket and ensure that they are change enablers right and that in turn will help with uh, further on further company culture as well as the deployment so to say it will be easier for you it's crucial to do this at the beginning as early as process possible um 
leadership involvement. We don't want leadership to just uh, drop the ball right after the project implementation, right? Or they just do the kickoff and then they're gone. So we need to have a tab on how things are going. We need to be uh, be, be involved as to in, if uh, to understand the money that they invested. Is it worth recouping it or not? Even after implementing it as well. Uh, good quality data that that goes without a saying, right? Uh, that's absolutely essential for your success. Uh, even to understand your technology landscape, for instance, I've seen a project where um, for one of my customers in Germany, wherein we went in, uh, we were all ready to walk and roll. We went in to deploy. Uh, we had given them uh, a heads up as to what is the amount of integration that's required and what is it that we need from them to prep up. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they didn't read that part of the proposal and they didn't have a server ready. And uh, the process for them to house a server uh, is at least three months because it's a very uh, strict organization. And that kind of took us back by three months in terms of the delivery of the project itself. So that and also don't just be bullied down by your IT folks and pick up that the same tool as your ERP, right? So do ensure that you're taking a judicious decision, looking at all the angles and ensuring everybody is uh, getting benefits of the tools, so to say. Fantastic. I think that's some great insight there. And it leads me to my next question, actually, which is in terms of the future roadmap, obviously, these projects can unlock new opportunities. And I just wondered what kind of new projects do you see being unlocked once you've gone through the, the pain of the initial implementation process? What can people look forward to? Well, um, there is a lot of uh, things to uncover in procurement, so to say. Now, I've seen um, the few few projects, Duncan, where I've taken a nice slow rollout plan. The, if the organization process is not mature, I give a lower level of the technology and then go back every six months and hype up the features, right? So that's a good way of ramping up the process and then deploying it to the other countries, you know, like an advanced uh, uh, feature that's available. Uh, for an example of that is a few organizations have been using RFP for ages and they've never seen auctions or not willing to utilize auctions. They're a little worried of them. And we slowly transition them into options uh, in the next six months and uh, in, under reverse options and then convert it to more complex. The few customers who were willing to adopt that right at the first go and they went ahead and implemented auctions. So that has happened uh, under for the contract side of things. I've seen customers who would like to still sign the contract outside the system and then come back and upload it. So they're using it like a workflow tool, but they're not really utilizing the tool to share the contract between the supplier and you. Right. And the few customers who use bring their legal into the system, uh, they're involved in the negotiation of the contract, headlining of the contract within the tool itself. So the few customers where I've done just the, uh, as a repository on the contract side. And after six months, I went back and did the full deployment of authoring the contract, negotiating the contract online, also digitally signing the contract online. So that's one one more. This is like. Uh, uh, the current and the immediate future and the far off future I see a lot of like the buzzwords I, I uh, called out right at the beginning right just to confuse you so I'll talk a little bit about that so uh, 
the first thing is robotics i've been uh, fortunate to work on at least two projects on the robotic side um it is very interesting and very simple as well uh, to deploy a bot in your procurement tool or your current landscape it helps you by uh, avoiding a lot of the waste steps that you take today anything that you think you shouldn't be doing for instance uh, taking a document from one system and dropping it in another system or pulling the data from a particular uh, field in an erp or your system and updating it in a word document things like that could be done through a bot it shouldn't be uh, much of a task the bot could do all the tactical work and let you just work on the strategy or the negotiation piece so to say uh, so that, that i i did a project in on the strategic sourcing side of things um, and the next one was uh, chatbots there are a lot of applicability for chatbots literally you have a lot of uh, tools even today websites are important to just go in and they try to understand what your issue is or they're trying to sell you something so a lot of this applicability could be done within uh, the procurement side as well we have suppliers reaching out to you to understand the invoice status or your contract status for the supplier or your legal team asking for it your end user is behind you to understand where you are at on the contract or the po or whatever may be the case even the supplier uh, onboarding status so all those could be clubbed into chat into chatbot functionality give it a real simple algorithm and all of this uh, ties back to the artificial intelligence side of things where it's you building that kind of intelligence we have machine learning concepts uh, blockchain as well so if, if it would be it would be nice if we had uh, purchasing organizations of a similar kind group up uh, build a consortium uh, for example would be a medical equipment uh, uh, buying organizations together it'll be easier for their suppliers as well as for them because they they would standardize the same kind of questions that they're going to ask the supplier supplier doesn't need to answer the question over and over again and uh, it's kind of casted in stone and then uh, the work is ready for the supplier as well as for the buyer and it's 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 you cannot edit it it's right there on the blockchain platform and it's ready to use for you whenever you'd like to so those are the few things that i see for the future it's it's pretty bright duncan and i i am very excited so to see what happens what comes up i think it's fascinating to to see where this where this might lead us where this can go so um, my final question is is what's next for you and i'm sure also our audience might want to continue the the discussion with you so what's next for you and where can the audience find you so for me i i'm I thoroughly enjoy what I do right now. So I am working with a startup who deal with blockchain technology and procurement. So it's a, that's a unique combination for me. And uh, so I am looking at the applicability of blockchain in procurement and uh, trying to make a small dent in the world of procurement in my own little way. Um, you can reach me on my LinkedIn uh, and LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. These are the three places that I am most so active. Uh, and in the same order as well so i'll i'll share the links to duncan he'll put it up as part of the show notes you can reach out to me anytime you'd like to i'd be glad to help in any way fantastic thanks very much for that and indeed we will include the details in the notes and thanks to all of you for listening in and see you next time If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button. Or for more information about us, visit our website www.hix.com.